The blind stares of a million pairs of eyes Looking hard but won't realize That they will never see the pee Yes, sir. Oh, baby. We are back. It is All Eyes on Cleveland Podcast. I am Brad Ward, and I am hyped to bring you our second episode of the show. Tonight, we will get into Browns, uh, gentlemen, uh, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, saw the uh, press podium today. We'll get into what they had to say. Uh, plus, uh, Jonathan Peterlin, our very special guest from 92.3 The Fan. We'll dive into some Browns as well as we get into the Cavs where John Beeline out as head coach of the Cavaliers. J.B. Bickerstaff in in a full-time status. We'll dive into that as well. Plus, we've got some questions uh, in the old uh, mailbag, which I am itching to get to. You start getting excited. It's all eyes on Cleveland. Thank you, Mikey. Mikey on the ones and twos tonight behind the glass doing a fantastic job as always. Uh, It is another episode, the second ever episode of All Eyes on Cleveland Podcast. You can catch all of the shows where popular podcasts are found, places like iTunes, Speaker, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn app, Google Play, and Radio.com. Com uh, will be published tomorrow morning at USA Today Sports Media Group's TheBrownsWire.com, where I write about our brownies. Um, and uh, you can catch the podcast uh, and all podcast news at the website, All Eyes on Cleveland.com. Hyped, excited tonight, uh, ready to give uh, you the uh, second episode of All Eyes on Cleveland. We had Garrett Bush of 92.3 The Fan on for episode one. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, we had a good turnout for that. Uh, and we're going to go back to the well, 92.3 The Fan again tonight. We've got Jonathan Peterlin, uh, interview with him. Um, breaking down all of your uh, Cavs news uh, with Beeline out as the head coach. As I mentioned earlier, J.B. Bickerstaff steps in. Um, some of the Cavs players commenting tonight, uh, Kevin Love, one of them, uh, something interesting going to the microphone saying, we all could have done a better job uh, to help Beeline out. It's just this kind of a sad situation. He goes 14-40 and, and and steps out as the as the coach. Um, they did announce uh, from the Cavs today that he will stay on in some other capacity. I don't know what that means. Uh, I have no idea where to venture what he will be doing there or what that uh, – that's just, I don't know, silly. I don't know what that means at all. Uh, but uh, uh, I don't even know if we'll ever know what that means. 
but that's that for the Cavs, and and we're going to get into some of that as well with the mailbag, and uh, um, I'm going to go over some things that are happening there uh, in the mailbag. Uh, I, I am asked what steps should be taken uh, to get this on track. I'm going to give you my steps. Uh, they they differ from uh, what the Cavs are doing, certainly. And Jonathan Peterlin has a lot of great insight on that. Uh, that's uh, what will be up first. We'll get to his interview here momentarily, but I want to lay out the show for you. We're also going to talk a little bit about what Alex Van Pelt, Joe Woods, had to say uh, as I give you my thoughts about their presser. Um, and uh, a big topic tonight we're going to get into... Um, Joe Schobert's uh, free agency, as I have the numbers uh, broken down here, uh, and uh, I have I have a higher number than most people do uh, him coming in at, and I'll explain why I think that. We'll talk about it. Um, it's uh, all eyes on Cleveland podcast, but first. Uh, the very talented Jonathan Peterlin, host and anchor at 92.3 The Fan. You can follow him on Twitter at at Jay Peterlin. Uh, he's fantastic. He's uh, been working all week on and off, but was able to make time for us. Uh, and uh, we're going to get him on here uh, to go over uh, all the all the goings-ons in uh, Cleveland sports, uh, certainly. Um, and this, you'll notice... Uh, right off the top in this interview, uh, he's from Chicago, hence the Kanye here, uh, to bring, bring him in. Um, but uh, that's uh, uh, a cool story, how he got to Cleveland, um, and uh, he shares that with us at the top of the interview, and then some really good stuff on the Browns and the Cavs, and even a little Indians at the end. So... We're going to hit that for you now. Uh, we'll come back after the interview and hit a couple topics that I want to knock out here tonight on the show. Won't keep you long. Hope you enjoy All Eyes on Cleveland Podcast. Here is my interview with Jonathan Peterlin of 92.3, The Fan. Welcome to the show this evening, uh, the fantastically, terrifically talented Jonathan Peterlin from 92.3, the fan. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at jpeterlin. Uh, welcome to the show tonight, uh, Jonathan. Thank you, Brad. Appreciate you having me on, man. Absolutely. It's uh, a blessing. We appreciate you making the time for us. Um, lots to talk about uh, in Cleveland right now. Um, as I know that uh, Kevin Love uh, just got off of uh, the podium talking about uh, uh, John Beeline's uh, dismissal. Um, I'm going to jump right into some of that here in a moment. Before we do that, let me ask you this, Jonathan. I know you'd like to ask this question. Um, as a, uh, you're a host anchor at 92.3, the fan, as I just said, um, What's your what's your story of how you ended up uh, at this point in your career? I know you're from Chicago. Um, what? Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you end up here in Cleveland as a as an anchor? So I grew up 
around radio stations because my mom did uh, sports radio and she was a country she was a country DJ first and foremost though like that was her main thing and then she ended up she stopped working at a country station in Chicago and she started doing some producing for sports radio and she was the first female to produce uh, White Sox baseball in Chicago and she did some pretty good Very stuff cool. and and uh, I used to so I started listening to sports radio I mean, obviously I loved sports growing up but. I started listening to sports radio at a very young age because she was already involved in it. And I, it turned into, you know, then she would not be working. She would be off hours and I'd still be listening to sports radio. And I'd be falling asleep to sports radio. And it's just one of those deals I just always wanted to do. My, like my big thing was, and this is, you know, naive 12 year old, once I realized I was not going to play shortstop for the Cubs, was trying to figure out a way to get to the ball game for free. All I ever really wanted. I just want to go to the games for free. I thought that'd be the coolest thing in the world to go to games and not have to pay. And so I was like, all right, how do I make this happen? And a lot of people that go into this, they, they want to be a play-by-play announcer, like Ken Carmen, for instance. He was play-by-play guy first. Adam DeBole was a play-by-play guy first. And they kind of fall into sports radio because they got the gift of gab and they already have a good way of sports. And then someone gives them an opportunity and away they go. And that was never the case for me. I grew up listening to sports talk radio. always wanted to do sports talk radio. So in college, my station uh, didn't have any sports radio. And uh, so I found a way in St. Louis at Lindenwood University. I found a way to convince the fourth-rated sports talker in St. Louis to just give me a once-a-week show on Tuesday nights. And wow. So I got to find out if I was good at it or not, and it was a very tight. It was a very tiny signal. It was it was uh, uh, 500 watts, and at night it powered down, and so it probably had like a four block radius, right? It really was not. I wasn't talking to many people, but I learned then out of those hour shows at you know nine to ten o'clock on Tuesdays, I could get the phone lines going and I could get my thoughts out there, and I knew I was talking to practically a family of squirrels, but it was I, I was talking to people. And it mattered. And so uh, I, I knew I was like, all right, that, that's it. We're going to make this work. We're going to figure it out. And so I went back home at the college. And that was, you know, that's tough because any broadcaster, any young broadcaster listening to this, like, no, it's, it's not easy. Um, there are, you know, hundreds of hundreds of people that told me no to then have, uh, finally, I was doing a show once a week in, Joel, in Joliet, Illinois, which is just outside of Chicago. And I was just trying to make sure I did it just, to, you know, as much as I possibly could. But I got hooked on with the station in Haver, Montana, which is a town of maybe 40,000 people. And I was convinced that I was going to have to be there for two, three years just to get the resume padded up. And then hopefully I could make that and transition over. And I got really lucky. Uh, about five months in, a uh, program director in Wichita, I sent him my stuff. It's a great story. I, I sent him some stuff, and I didn't hear anything back from him. And Montana was a really depressing time for me because my dad had – recently passed away and it was just it was just a bad time in life and you know, i'm young i don't know if i'm I, I think i'm good at this but i don't really know yeah. and and so i sent this program director i sent him my tape and everything and i didn't hear anything back and i was really discouraged but i'd been beaten up enough and it was like all right well that's fine and then it was two weeks had passed and i was going six days a week the way i do now with the fan and I knew in my eyes, I was like, all right, it's, you know, I got one day a week to drink. That was my thing. And I'm not too far removed from college, but I'm like, I got one day a week to drink. And that was always Friday night. 
Yeah. And it continues even to this point. I don't drink as much as I used to that once a week, but if I'm going to drink, it's Friday night because I just won't go on air. I, 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 I'm not good enough to do this on air hungover, okay? Not going to happen. So <laughs> so I, I, was, I was drunk out of – I was just lit was all this was. And I was like, screw it. I'm sending this guy my tape again, and he's going to have to pay attention. I sent him this tape, and I don't remember the email I sent him attached to it, but it pretty much promised him the sun, the moon, and the stars. Yeah. He just gave me an opportunity, and then he did. And I don't. And I talked to him later about it. And I, I mean, he was like, "I never even got your first email. I don't know what you're talking about." And so, like, That's if I didn't amazing. get, if I didn't get drunk and was just like, "I don't care," and this and this and this, who knows what would, uh, what would, where I would be or what I would be. But from there, I was hosting a sports morning show. And I was in Wichita covering the Shockers, and that was great. And they went to the Final Four that year, and I got a lot of experience there. And, and then from there, I went to Houston. And in Houston, I did network radio for three years, and that was a blast. But I knew in the back of my mind I wanted to connect with the local audience. And I wanted to talk to people, and I wanted to have passionate fans that care about their teams. And uh, so then an opportunity came up here in Cleveland after Anthony got you know promoted to the morning show with Ken. And uh, I got in touch with Andy Roth, who I knew previously a little bit, and the rest is, as you would say. And so now I've been here going on almost four years, and I absolutely love it here. I'm at my fiance here. Um, we're getting married in July, and just, uh, you know, all we can do now is just continue to work hard, and, and hopefully Cleveland likes and appreciates what I do. Yeah, absolutely. I do for sure. I'm a big fan, Jonathan, and uh, congratulations on the wedding. That's awesome. And what an awesome story. Really cool. The uh, liquid courage got you over the hump. That's it's awesome. really all it was. I mean, yeah, yeah. like who knows? Where, and I'm sure maybe something would have broken open. And I, I, but I don't know. I can't, I can't promise that. But yeah, I was just, I was just extremely lit. And I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send this off. And then he paid attention. And that's, that's all that matters. That's awesome. Really good stuff. Love those stories, and uh, everybody's got their own, and uh, that, that's a terrific one. So thank you. You are listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. Uh, my name is Brad Ward. Our guest tonight, Jonathan Peterlin. Uh, listen to him at 92.3 The Fan, um, uh, always uh, on your radio dial here in the uh, Cleveland area, and at Jay Peterlin on Twitter. Make sure you are following him if you aren't already. I'm sure you Look, are. Brad, Brad, when you when you had Garrett Bush on, did he give that long of an answer, or was he shorter? Did I do too long there? Is that okay? You know what? I had that was fantastic. You know what, uh, Garrett? I asked him that question the first time I had him on, which was like a year ago. So I didn't ask him again the second time. Oh, okay, so okay. <laughs> there was, was Garrett's a repeat like customer. A okay. Time on, the uh, the show question for me. So okay, all right. I love Garrett. I want you to. I want anyone that's listening to know that Garrett is the, the absolute man. He is just a he's a ray of sunshine. I think he's so great. I think he's so talented. Yeah, he's uh, uh, he's been a uh, great with me. Good friend of me. He's had me on. You know, um, the only time I've ever actually been on the radio is because Garrett brought me on his show as a guest. So uh, pretty cool of him to let me do that a few times. So uh, I always appreciate that from him. That was cool. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, G. Bush. Uh, so, uh, but uh, <laughs> we we uh, have uh, some things to uh, hash out here uh, with our okay. sports teams, our favorite sports teams here, Jonathan. Um, so let's go Cavs here first. Obviously, with everything happening uh, with Beeline um, out, 
uh, reassigned to a uh, another position, whatever that means. I don't know what that means, really. Uh, but then we get J.B. Bickerstaff uh, as not an interim head coach, but assigned as a head coach. Do you have a problem with that at all, that he is not the interim head coach? No, because that was what the secession plan was going to be uh, the whole time. It was going to be John Beeline until you hand it off to Bickerstaff. At least that's what we were told. So, right. yeah, I got I had no problems with that at all. I, I, I think the fascinating part about this story to me is just how unprecedented it all is where John Beeline – halfway through the first year of what is a four year could be a fifth year with the option is like, now nah, I'll take my ball and I'll go home. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's crazy to me. Uh, you just, you just don't, you don't hear of that type of thing happening. And it's, I went back earlier this morning and I was trying to look and see if I had the history right on this and it shouldn't be like, Oh, it was so long ago. No, I mean, really it was just, it was May 13th is when they hired him. I went back and I looked at some of the different articles and, and there were enough people saying what a gamble it would be, but so many more people, that are taking these weird victory laps today about how they saw this coming. And of course it was going to blow up on them. And this, no, like you weren't saying that, that like nobody no. was saying that. Nobody was like, it was no. nobody. And I'm not sure that people called it a home run higher. I'm not sure if people saying that they knocked it out of the park, but it certainly wasn't doomsday. And it wasn't, certainly wasn't as if all of a sudden the Cavs had settled in any way for John Beeline, because if you go back and look at some of the options and some of the candidates that weren't John Beeline that were up for the gig, it wasn't even close to the stature that he had. So I just wanted people to not rewrite history that way. I want people to remember history correctly. And the correct way of doing it is saying it was a somewhere in the middle of the road towards positive type hire. And it just didn't work. And I think part of the reason why it didn't work is because of the great reporting that Jason Lloyd has uncovered at the athletic in saying how they were pretty much talking to a, like John Beeline was talking to a wall very early on, uh, very early on. It didn't work for these guys. And, and none of the veterans, with the exception of Tristan, for really paying him any attention. So how how was John Beeline supposed to win here? I, he wasn't. I, he didn't stand a chance. That says a lot about the character of your team. First of all, if you don't even give a guy a chance with a resume like that, and the fact that I mean, I, I know the whole uh, you know the slug thug thing was early, and that was a probably a departure of some sort of uh, anybody that did have respect for what he was saying at that point or gave them at least a reason to kind of turn their back on him a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's sad that, that he couldn't uh, command that room for longer, I think. Yeah. And, and I don't even know that I want to say longer. I don't know that he ever commanded the room at all. And that's exactly. the saddest part. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he never had, he never really had an opportunity to. And it's, it's like once you – are put in that situation, there's two ways that you can either do it and move forward. You can either A, rise above it all, and then come out on top, and then you get the respect of everyone, or B, you can just kind of sink like he did, and then you can make the slug-thug comment that goes absolutely blows up in your face. And if that's the case, well, guess what? Guys like Kevin Love, they're sharks. They're going to feast on that stuff. If they don't want you to succeed, they're going to make it really hard for you to succeed. And you have to prove to them that you're not just a college coach. And John Beeline never proved to them that he was more than a college coach. And that's ultimately why it failed. And, and Brad, I, I hate to see it. You know, six coaches in seven years is miserable for the Cavs. It's amazing that we can talk about the Cavs and think about them in some of the same light that we think about the Browns. But that's kind of where we're at right now. And in the NBA – you got three ways of improving your roster. You got the trade 
And, again, they got Andre Drummond. That's fine, but they're not getting any elite players here in trade. They're not getting anyone in free agency. And then you have the draft. And that's the only way they have to improve this roster, and that just sucks. It does. And that was going to be where I went next is kind of, you know, where do you stand with this rebuild? Obviously, it's not working uh, at this point, and it certainly doesn't have the right direction uh, with what they've done. The, the new draft lottery rules have killed them, um, really, because uh, they should have had a much higher picks, right? But, you know, mm-hmm. you have Garland and Sexton, right? Do you feel, Jonathan, like they need to make a, a decision on one of them and move the other at all? Yeah, but it's tough because I think we all know the answer to who they should move on with and who they shouldn't move on with. And unfortunately, Kobe Altman is so much tied to Colin Sexton that I don't think he's going to make the right choice if he has to. So I think he's just going to continue on with whatever they're doing right now. And uh, hopefully then one is so drastically better than the other. That just is what it is. I thought, honestly, though, I thought Sexton would get moved at the deadline. I didn't take really? that equation out. I, I thought, I yeah, I thought he was going to be – I thought they were going to tear it down to the absolute studs, and but they went the they went a different direction. But Brad, it's not not pretty right now. And I, I really hope next time you have me on, I hope we can talk about more like sunshine rainbowy type things because you're going to take me from a Cavs discussion where it looks like we have no way out. There's no light at the end of the tunnel, and then when we move to the Browns discussion, I, I mean I, I I don't have much positive there either. Other than press no, conferences, they were good. Great. I know you want to get on that, but uh, but it's it's a dark. It's a dark time, oddly enough. Like maybe yeah. some Indians or something. I don't know. But even that, a lot of people want to write. It's yeah. tough. It's tough right now, Brad. It's tough. It is. It, it's tough. It's tough being a, a Cleveland sports fan, uh, you know. Interesting. Right I'll now. say that. It's interesting. And I like interesting. I always root for interesting. But, yeah, it, it's not It's not the pr- – so what do you want? Do you want Sexton or do you want Garland? What is your choice? I mean, honestly, Garland hasn't impressed me very much this year. Uh, I, I feel like Sexton – you know, played some good basketball at the end of last year, at the beginning of this year, but I just don't see, like, the, the ceiling is higher for Garland, ultimately, for me, and, and that's who I would rather hang on to, and I think you do need mm-hmm. to make a decision on the, one of the two. I, I don't think they can coexist. I think you should try to get what you can for Sexton. I, I don't know what they're trying to accomplish with Andre Drummond, really. What are they going to do this off season? Uh, I mean, ultimately, he's probably going to pick up that, you know, his his option. What, what are they doing with it? What are they doing with Drummond? Are they going to make a run at the eight seed? I mean, seriously, what are they what are they doing with Drummond here, Jonathan? And that's and that's my biggest problem is I, they they tried to microwave the plan. They tried to uh, you know hit the fast forward button on what they were doing. And with Andre Drummond and Kevin Love. I mean, they could end up being the eighth seed. They could end up being okay. Yeah. And, and so, uh, but that's basketball hell. Like, nobody wants to be there. That's that's not a good spot. If, if no. The only way is I've labeled out. The only way you can drastically improve to get to where the top teams are is you've got to – it's through the draft. And, unless you just in your in, in the back of their minds, they're seeing something out of Garland and Porter and Sexton that I'm not seeing right now. But unless they all of a sudden morph into James Harden and Russell Westbrook, i got a hard time believing – and all of a sudden the Cavs will end up with a you know a top four seed at any point in the next several years, and that's just that just sucks to say. But and I loved Garland by the way. I, I pushed for the Garland pick. I 100 yeah. percent pushed for. It. I thought it was a great pick. I still stand by it. I still think he's a good player, and mm-hmm. I think he's young, and I think you got to give him time. I just I see a lot with him, and every now and then he makes these flashes where you're like, okay, let's go. But I it's 
in the same breath, I can say that Kevin Porter Jr. has shown you just as much. And look where he was selected. I know he had problems in college, but it's just – you can go around in circles all day. It's just it's a tough spot. Hey, I like I like Dylan Wendler. I think he'll be good. I yeah. Sure. <laughs> I, we haven't seen him enough on the court to be able to th- – you know what I mean? Like, sure. I, I, great. Not, I, not good enough to make a difference, right? No, um, no, 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 no. But then again, that's where we have to maybe reset some of our expectations too. And maybe that's where I always have the problem. It's a have or a have not league. And I, unfortunately, I just see the Cavs and that have not. You know what's funny? I was getting ready to prep for today's show. When I was on with Paul today. And I, I turned on the TV. And I guess I was listening to the Rewind with, uh, with Anthony and Jason Lloyd. And I was hearing what they were saying. And then I was like, all right, well, let me go put on the TV instead. And I put on the TV and Fox Sports 1 was on my channel. Because I like Fox Sports 1 over ESPN. Whatever, I think the shows are better. And uh, and Nick Wright was on because I adore Nick Wright. And mm-hmm. Nick Nick Wright was on, and and he starts talking about. Uh, oh no, Nick Wright wasn't on. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It was uh, it was it was Shannon. It was Skip and Shannon. And I don't I don't watch that show in particular too much. I don't. But it was on because it followed first things first. And Nick, I think, was on vacation. Whatever. Either way, they were talking about uh, the NBA, and they were asking questions about whether or not the Clippers could be in the finals. And in my mind, I was like. Oh, okay. They're not even close to talking about the same sport that the Cavs are playing right now. It's almost like the Cavs for me are like a Euro League team or something that I'm just fascinated yeah. in because it's just so different than what the other NBA conversations are. And in my mind, I was like, this is a refresher. This is something different where if I were to talk about the Indians, let's say, or let's say talk about the Browns, I could be thinking about the Browns for three hours straight. And then I put on the NFL network and they're talking about I don't know, let's say the Bengals or let's say even the Steelers. And I'm like, well, okay, I'm still in the football conversation. I'm still talking NFL. Whereas with this Cavs, I, I just, I'm like, it's like, it's like they're in a different league. It's cause none of the, none of the conversations are translating at all. What's the best course of action in your, in your mind right now? I mean, how do you, if, if, I, if you could give me like four quick moves that they would, they are must moves, right? Like, is it, is it trade trade love in the off season, right? Um, you know they're not going to do that. Of- I don't think they're going to do that though. I I have a scenario in my head where I don't know if it's going to. I have no idea what plays out or what doesn't play out. But I have a scenario in my head where they're paying sixty million dollars to Kevin Love and Andre Drummond next year, and like we uh, talked about, going uh, for the eighth seed or going for uh, thirty five wins or whatever it may be. I totally could see them doing that. But there's problems in that, and and it's it's not as easy as me, Brad, saying like, hey, uh, let me lay out step A, B, C, and D, and this is what they should do, because they don't have a plan. There's no way yeah. they have a plan. Like they they they, they don't. They're lost, and so yeah. that's what makes it tough. And that's what I liked and appreciated about the John Beeline hire. I'll say this: I appreciated that it at least seemed like they had a plan. They got rid of that plan, and they steered away from that plan. But when that was set on May 13th, when they hired John Beeline, it was develop the young guys, uh, trade Kevin Love at the deadline, you would assume, let uh, Tristan's uh, contract run out, and just continue to move forward with the young guys, watch them develop, and then John Beeline will grow them into these matured NBA players. And it never happened. It never materialized. But I appreciated that they at least had one set in place. Now. I have no idea what they're trying to do. And I don't know that Kobe Altman necessarily knows what he's trying to do. And that might be the scariest part of the situation. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's just hoping you can throw something together, but I can't throw, you know, four steps together, really. I mean, it, it's just you don't know. You don't know because they don't know. And uh, it's disappointing. It's frustrating, you know. And the thing, you know, if they end up with Drummond and Love on the roster and, like like I said, going for the AC next year, that's a step in the wrong direction, Jonathan, I just think. And uh, you've got to get – I mean, you really do got to strip it down. You got to build through the draft because it's never going to come through free agency here uh, unless you're, you know, mm-hmm. they got lucky with LeBron James, and that's not coming at, again anytime soon. So um, good stuff there on the cast, sir. Thank you. You're listening to Jonathan Peterlin of 92.3, the fan, uh, terrifically talented rising star. Uh, and uh, we are blessed to have him on the show tonight. And we move from the Cavs to the Browns here quickly. <laughs> Uh, as you mentioned before, so much fun uh, with this stuff. Let's start with um, your initial reaction to the coaching hire and the GM hire. I'm high on Stefanski, and I'm okay. high on Barry. I would have preferred a Stefanski-George Payton connection. I think that one made more sense in my mind, but I don't I, But, you know, Andrew Barry, I'm fine with Andrew Barry. I don't have any qualms with him at this point. I, I – uh, I'm just really excited to see it actually start to play out. Now, I loved what Alex Van Pelham had to say earlier today. I, I really did. And I know you don't win the press conference. I don't care about that side necessarily. I just – I loved that it seems like – it seems like Baker's going to legitimately have a coach and is going to tell him you either, like, hey, you're not doing great at this. You need to improve on this. Your footwork is sloppy. This is wrong. You need to start off on your left foot as opposed to your right foot. Like, the little things. Yeah, that and I think great. we all expected from Freddie Kitchens that never came. And I just want to see what happens with Baker when he gets somebody yelling in his ear and saying, do it this way. And I hope he, I hope Alex Sentel is not just blowing smoke up our, you know, ourselves here. I hope he really is not just smoking mirrors. I hope that he's genuine in uh, how he came across today and what he's planning to do with Baker, because I feel like Baker got a really raw deal never was really his coach. Hugh Jackson taught him as much as the Gatorade cooler has. Like that wasn't anything that was, it wasn't real. Like it was, it wasn't real. Like right. he, I'm, at, during hard knocks, Hugh Jackson was like, you're my, you're my back quarterback. Well, okay, great, fine. But Freddie Kitchens was his coach. And mm-hmm. if I'm trying to figure out why Baker Mayfield's powers got zapped, like he's, you know, in space jam from the Monstars, if I'm trying to figure that out, the best I can come up with is that Freddie Kitchens was an abject failure and was one of the worst head coaches in NFL history. And you know what? If I were to ask Browns fans, I know a lot of you guys would agree with that case right there. So I have mm-hmm. high expectations that Alex Van Pelt, the guy that Aaron Rodgers respected so much that when they fired him, he went and was vocal about his disdain for that exact move. I have a lot of belief that he's going to get back in Mayfield right. And I got a lot of be- a belief that Kevin Stefanski will get Baker Mayfield right as well. So maybe it's me just trying to find a way to justify why someone can break college efficiency records, win the Heisman, and then just fall off the face of the earth. Maybe it's that, but it makes too much sense in my mind to put a lot of the blame on Freddie Kitchens and to watch Baker Mayfield have a good year this upcoming year. Yeah, no, I expect a bounce back here, and I think that a lot of it fairly can be put on Kitchens. I don't think that's uh, a farce or – unexcused I really think he was that bad at times and just that lost um you know as we hear the stories now about him abandoning you know game plans after after the first 10 scripted plays and whatnot and all that stuff you know going he was miserable he he threw yeah he was miserable he threw Baker to the wolves that's how I see it 
At least it yeah. makes sense in my mind. You know, again, I could be proven wrong. Maybe Baker struggles this next year, and I just I look like an idiot, and that's fine. But uh, if you remember correctly, and I don't expect you to, but I was uh, going into this last season, I wasn't nearly as high on Baker's skill set as a lot of people. And I, part of that was because I was worried about what Freddie Kitchens would or would not do with him uh, mm-hmm. because I didn't see the coaching, and I didn't see any Lincoln Riley uh, material out of Freddie Kitchens. And so, I, I again, I take it for what it's worth. Sometimes I zig when the rest of the world zags. But I genuinely do believe Baker Mayfield's going to have a really good year. And I think a lot of that's going to be because of Van Pelt and Stefanski. So I'm excited for it. I really am. Yeah, I like a lot of what Stefanski does in his offense, um, you know, uh, moving the pocket and things like that, that Baker should have been uh, had should have been implemented for Baker in the past. You know, play to his strengths a little bit, right? Um, get him out of the pocket, you know, move his feet, get him out in the open space to throw the ball sometimes, lots of play action. And, and all that stuff, I think, will lend towards his game. Um, and I think we're going to see a lot of that from Stefanski. Van Pelt, I loved that today with the switch in the feet. That was awesome. Uh, good stuff in a press conference. Surprising uh, that he brought that to the table. Uh, well, on that, on that point, too, Brett, I don't know if you heard or not when I mentioned uh, – so I texted Sean Salisbury because I used to work with Sean in Houston, and that's how – Part of the reason why he comes on every week is with Bull oh. and Fox. Um, I, and I love Sean Salisbury. Yeah, so Sean, Sean's a dear friend of mine, and awesome. uh, I did I did show up to show with him when we worked together in Houston, and uh, I mean he's just a great guy. So I texted him when I was on air, and I said, I said I'm talking Baker and Van Pelt and those comments, and I was like, what specifically? Like when you go from right foot up at snap to left foot up, what does that do? And he said, and I'll read it for you. He said, for a right-handed quarterback, it takes away the wasted motion on the dropback. Right-handers drive off the uh, lever foot and lead with the right foot for a more urgent, no-wasted-motion setup. Pivot and drive with left foot forward. And if he was left-handed, obviously, it'd be opposite. But Sean made it sound, and Sean is an, he's coaching quarterbacks. He's doing all that stuff for years. Um, mm-hmm. He made it sound to me like that was something that uh, was fairly rudimentary for someone that does that specifically. And so – uh, I, I got a lot of confidence that uh, good on Alex Van Pelt for already noticing that and pointing it out and realizing what he wants to change. And then again, slap on the wrist for Freddie Kitchen. How could something that obvious that you're supposed to know, how could that escape you? Like, how could you just let him get away with that? And so, uh, I mean, again, there's, there's a lot that points in the right direction for Alex Van Pelt. Yeah, I agree. I was also, the other thing that I took away that was uh, from that, while we're on the topic of that, is that they're already, you know, into a playbook, you know, pretty deep into a playbook, it sounded like, you know, Uh, and he didn't try to, you know, hide anything, you know, yeah, we're putting in the Zubiac stuff, or, you know, we're each bringing in some collaborative parts to it. I mean, all that sounded really great to me. Yeah, again, you can't win the press conference, but he did a very good job. And he sounded smart, and he sounded a little dirty, and he sounded like the type of guy that, uh, truthfully, I would want uh, yeah. around a team that I, if I had one. And I just, I feel like, um, you know, you could put him in, in a little locked cell and play 24 hours of just quarterbacks taking snaps and plays and all of this different formations. And, and he'd be the type that wouldn't be bored after 20 minutes. He'd be the type that'd be like, uh, it's only 24 hours. We can't do this for 72. And I love that. I love hearing that. I think that's great. That is. Uh, you are listening to Jonathan Peerlin from 92.3, the fan. Uh, just a couple more questions here, Jonathan. I'll let you go. I know you've been working all day long. Uh, probably talking the same exact stuff. So <laughs> good on you here. <laughs> 
well, fortunately for myself, I've gotten very good at being able to, uh, if I have a take, I can definitely redo a take. But we, we've sprinkled in some new nuggets for you. Don't worry about that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, thank you. And uh, so major topic I'm going to hit on the show here tonight, and I wanted to ask you about it uh, as I kind of deep dived into the numbers on this stuff. But um, with uh, uh, Joe Schobert's free agency um, coming up, uh, where do you stand on this? Uh, should Joe stay or go here? Uh, Sorry about that. Don't know what happened there. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it just dropped out. I hadn't, I haven't moved anywhere, and so I don't, I don't know. No worries, no worries. Um, I was uh, asking you when uh, a little technical difficulties there. Get that, got that cleaned up now, uh, Jonathan. Uh, about Joe Schobert, um, his free agency uh, is for me a big deal, a big decision for this team. Um, and uh, as I said, we're going to kind of dive into it numbers-wise on the show tonight. Um, I wanted to get your opinion on where you stand with Schobert and uh, if you should stay or go. Um, is there a figure you have in mind? Um, as I have kind of broken down the market here for uh, linebackers, uh, thoughts on this? Wait, so you are you broke down the you did the homework then? You broke down the numbers for linebackers. So what do you I what did. do you believe what do you believe Joe Schobert should be paid? I think I I don't think he should be I don't think he should be paid this. I think he will get offered very close, if not sixty mil over four years. Hmm. Yeah, I that's a very big number. How much of that do you have guaranteed? Oh man, I don't even know. I I don't even know on the guaranteed. Uh, what what is it? Probably like thirty some high thirties. Yeah, so that sounds like an awful ton. Um, I'm it thinking, is. I'm, I'm shooting it a lot shorter than that. I my initial thought for someone that is not a top ten linebacker, uh, and I like Joe Schobert a lot, but let's just be honest about it—he's not a top ten linebacker. I would think somewhere around uh, forty-five million over four, somewhere around that uh, makes more sense to me. Maybe you can go a little bit, maybe a little bit higher, maybe forty-five to fifty somewhere around there. But yeah. uh, but you're you're looking at maybe ten to twelve million dollars per year for someone like that. I would I would just first blush reaction on it. That's what I would go with. And I I don't know that the the Browns necessarily are the team to go ahead and pay him that. Uh, and it just I like Joe Schobert a lot, and I like the fact that now with a a new regime in here, some of the players that were casted off before the David and Jokers of the world. And we're just kind of pushed aside for whatever reason because of John Dorsey and Freddie Kitchens and whatever doghouse they want to put him in. Uh, now gets a, a second chance to get a new life, if you will. I love that. I love that side of things. Uh, but think about all the money you're going to have to be paying people coming up here. You know, Miles Garrett's going to get paid at some point, I would imagine, either this offseason or next offseason. Baker Mayfield's going to get paid if he has a good year uh, this next upcoming offseason. And then you're talking about uh, Nick Chubb down the line. You got a lot of people in a lot of important positions. You're gonna have to pay, and I, I just I don't know. But the, the, but the Browns do have some flexibility for this upcoming year. Just four years sounds like an awful lot to commit yourself to for Joe Schobert. But that's why I'd be curious about the guaranteed money. Yeah, um, certainly. You could you could probably set it up with yourself getting yourself an out after the two years, probably right. Um, if you wanted to structure it that way, but. 
you know, just looking around the league, right? So seven linebackers are making over 15 mil a year right now. Uh, that gets you to 60. Um, and uh, if you're looking at, you know, inside linebackers, you know, Deion Jones, Miles Jack, Juan Alexander, all in that 57, 56, 55 range. Uh, and the only two guys, I mean, the only guy better than Gilbert on the market this offseason is uh, Corey Littleton uh, that plays the same position. So, you know, numbers-wise, his tackles are right there with all those guys and higher than most. Uh, so, um, Well, I'm just not- looking at – so I'm looking at – so we do, if we can both agree that he is not a top-10 linebacker, can we no. – like, is that fair? No, I, I totally agree with you. I think that is more than fair. I'm just going off the situation, I feel like. Right. So if we're going to – let's call that line. Let's say with 10th highest paid uh, linebacker at, at Alec Ogletree, $42 million for four years. I, I okay. mean, we can even look at Christian Kirksey's initial deal, right? Was that four years, $38 million, somewhere around there? Yeah. I mean, it's just – it's, it's yeah. yeah. So I think somewhere around there, I think we I think we initially had it um, – I'm going to take my my estimation a little bit more on this one. And, of course, you know, you you – Put forth of the inflation and everything, and I get that, but yeah, I think somewhere around ten to twelve million a year is about right. It's just it's whether or not you want to move forward with Joe Schobert. And I, I listen, I love him. I loved his Pro Bowl year in 2017. He obviously had the interceptions this past year. 2018, though, he missed more tackles than anybody. So, are you going to put ten to twelve million dollars a year on somebody that, at this point, hasn't shown you consistent output at a high level? And uh, if I'm circling on the defense. I don't know that he's one of my premier players. I, I I don't think he necessarily is. So I don't know. There's a lot of questions, and maybe that makes it sound too harsh on Joe Schobert. But no. Um, no, I think those are all bad. Yeah, that's where I'm at with it. I agree with you. So like, if in that if he falls in that ten to twelve a year range, right, over four years, I'm fine yeah. with the Browns doing that. But if it pushes up towards sixty over four years, I can't do that. Right, I can't do that if I'm the Browns. I think you gotta yeah. look at getting a younger piece with. Uh, um, Mac well, that's Wilson. that's where that's where Mac Wilson and Sione Takitaki come into play. And Sione Takitaki right. did not have a necessarily good rookie no, year. And I, and listen, I'm the president of the Mac Wilson fan club. I'm pretty sure I'm the, the charter member, and then I, I run the ship on that one. So yeah, I obviously think a lot higher than. Oh my God, he's amazing. He's so yeah. good. So uh, and, and Pro Football Focus has him. Not nearly as high as, as I believe they should. I, I think Mac Wilson is going to be an absolute – I know he's a stud. I think he's going to be a star. I, I think he's got – sky is the limit for him. So, like, if you, you bet on your draft capital with that being your linebackers of the future and that being mm-hmm. part of uh, the nucleus of the defense, which, well, let's be honest, the defense this last year was massively disappointing. And I, I had told so many people I thought it was going to be uh, the, the absolute bright spot for this Brown team this past year. I thought the defense was going to be outstanding, and they let me down a little bit. I think they let us all down a little bit. So how do you move them forward? How do you make them better? And, it, I, and I'll i be curious to find out what Andrew Barry thinks of Joe Schobert in that regard. Uh, I, but hey, if they sign him, I'm not going to kill him for it. And if they don't, I'm not going to kill him for it either. I, but i, I got to see some more of the details. Uh, no doubt about it. Yeah, no, no question. It'll be interesting to see where that where that number actually does get and what other teams think of him. So that'll be interesting. Um, very good stuff, Jonathan. Thank you for that. Final question tonight, sir, uh, on the Browns here. Um, do you think that both Kareem Hunt and Odell, Odell, pardon me, Beckham Jr. will be on this roster to start the year? 
Oh yeah, yeah. They, what, I want to. I want to hear your take that has them not being on the roster. Do you have Odell being traded, or do you have Kareem being suspended? No, I feel like I feel like OBJ will be there, and I felt better even hearing Van Pelt talk about him today like that, right? And uh, mm-hmm. as well as Barry and everybody else has kind of included him in their, you know, little synopsis uh, of the team as they're up there at the podium, right? Uh, I just I worry that uh, you know he gets caught up talking, and Cream Cream Hunt maybe gets you know in another little thing. And they're like, hey, this is just too much of this with both these guys. And they look to move one on because, you, of course, you have Nick Chubb, you know. Um, oh, no, I, I love the idea of Chubb and Hunt in the back. Oh, me this too. Year, just, giving Hunt a whole season. I think it's going to be great. And I, I'll say this, Brad. The OBJ stuff, I think, is the one area, and I might regret these words because they can come back to haunt me, but I, I believe it. I think the OBJ stuff is the one thing Cleveland Browns fans just get massively wrong because, and what I, what I mean by that is that uh, I, he just hasn't had his gets us moment yet. And when he does, when he has that moment where it just, he may, he's one of us and, and everyone just gets on board with what he's doing. I think things are going to go a lot better for him. And uh, once this team starts winning, I think you're going to see the real OBJ. And I mean that in a very positive and a good way. And I, I just think he's one of those players that gets down when the team starts losing and the team starts dropping out. It's what happened with the Giants, you know, yeah. where they, they were fine. They were all happy. And then they started losing, you know, and that, that's just what tore into them year in and year out every single time. So I, I got a feeling OBJ is going to not only become a Cleveland favorite, but once he starts winning and once he starts putting up some of the numbers that we know he can, I, I think the image on him is going to turn around awfully fast. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of OBJ. Obviously, uh, his talent is endless. You know, you know, the, the ceiling uh, is not even reached yet, just because of uh, the teams he's been on have held him back a little bit. Um, and uh, like you said, uh, you know, if he got on that wave of uh, winning in, in Cleveland, especially, it would certainly lift him up some, and uh, and and he will shine for sure. And I just I worry about Kareem a little bit. Um, I want him on this team. I just worry about uh, him mentally a little bit. Uh, and uh, but hopefully he gets there because him and Chubb together is awesome. And I hope they both are there. Um, mm-hmm. I I lied to you, Jonathan. I have another question. Oh, okay. What do you got? <laughs> uh, think the Indians win ninety games this year? Uh no. No, I think they're. I think they end up just short. I think they're going to be a first or a second wild card team. But I'm curious to know what happens at the at the uh, deadline. I think that's going to be the most telling thing. I I just there's not much room for error on this roster. There just there just isn't, and there's not enough room on this uh, roster. And so you're going to need to have people come out of nowhere, essentially, and especially with that outfield. The way it's situated right now, it's just it's too tough for me to bet on the over on 90. So I'd feel more comfortable saying uh, 88, 89, right around there. And then you got to cap okay. I know Vegas says 86, but I think somewhere around uh, 88, 89 is where I'm sitting right now. But but again, we got a lot of time before the season. And if they sign a Puig or if they get another bat in the outfield from somewhere, like I I'm open to some uh, I'm open to some room there for myself. But but right now I see him as a first or a second wild card team. Yeah, uh, and then I want to, uh, while we're on that, that topic here, I want to uh, applaud you on your ownership take uh, it, uh, about uh, 
the owners that you've been talking about mm-hmm. the past few days on the air. Um, you know, uh, billionaires you don't you don't own a professional team to make money. I couldn't agree more, and I think that's a great take. And uh, even thank you talking about that. That's a fantastic uh, way to look at it, and uh, um, it's it's the right way to look at it. So. Um, that is uh, very well done, and and that's that's all I have for you tonight, Jonathan. You've been fantastic. You've been uh, patient, and uh, like I said, I'm a big fan, and appreciate you coming on uh, All Eyes on Cleveland tonight to uh, join me to talk, uh, hash all this stuff out. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me, Brad. I appreciate it. It's a lot of fun, and of course, you know, anytime you need me, just re- reach out. I'm here. Okay. Oh, you know, I'm gonna hold you to that. So. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much uh, Jonathan Peterlin 92.3 The Fan uh, you can listen to him there um, and follow him on Twitter at jpeterlin uh, thank you for uh, coming on All Eyes on Cleveland Jonathan alright thank you so much sir. I appreciate you we'll talk to you soon alright alright talk to you later And with that, we are back. Uh, that was Jonathan Peterlin of 92.3, the fan, uh, spending uh, about uh, 40 minutes or so with me uh, to talk out uh, everything going on with your Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Cavs, and even a little Cleveland Indians there at the end. You are listening to All Eyes on Cleveland Podcast. My name is Brad Ward. We are published every uh episode at USA Today Sports Media Group's thebrownswire.com. You can also catch us at alleyesoncleveland.com. And where all popular podcasts are found, like iTunes, Spreaker, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, TuneIn app, Google Play, and radio.com. So with that, uh, Jonathan was fantastic and does a good job as always. A uh, big fan of his. Um, and, uh, you know, he covers everything uh, with uh, strong takes on everything and, and always so well-spoken. So he was good. Um, I enjoyed the stuff he brought to the table from uh, Sean Salisbury. And we can kind of get into that. So today, um, the uh, Browns uh, brought Alex Van Pelt, uh, who is... Uh, sounded kind of like your QB coach, the way he talks about how much time he wants to spend with the quarterback, but your offensive coordinator to the table uh, or to the press room and uh, also Joe Woods and then, uh, you know, uh, Mike Prefer, who will retain his position at uh, as special teams coordinator. But just uh, some notes uh, from from this today, if you missed it or if you listened, uh, some key points. Uh, he, you know, he talked about uh, Baker's, uh, you know, fire passion. Uh, said the future's bright there. Uh, needs to work on the ability to escape pressure um, and some fundamental things to work on. He brought up that, that footwork change. So he said it's his philosophy. 
um, right foot up as of right now has him already switched wants him left foot forward will allow him to move with rhythm and more fluidly uh, and through the pocket uh, very interesting and that's where Jonathan brought up uh, the uh, Sean Salisbury uh, that that is also uh, the right way to do it should have been fixed already. Uh, undecided, uh, they're they're undecided on the play calling still. I will just come out and say that I, with all of this, uh, I think that Stefanski should call the plays. A lot of people are very gun shy about this uh, due to obviously what Freddie Kitchens did. Stefanski seems uh, much more organized and put together. I think he could handle the, both the responsibility of being the head coach and calling the plays. Uh, Van Pelt doesn't have a huge record of calling plays. I believe he called plays once in Buffalo. Uh, he mentioned that he does have some familiar familiarity. Pardon me with the uh, the offense, but not you know not really a whole ton um, and. Um, so I would prefer Stefanski to call the plays. I mean, he's done it uh, at a high level, so uh, that's just kind of my preference. We'll see how that shakes out. They uh, are hold, reserving uh, uh, their right to uh, wait on that decision. Uh, benchmarks for accuracy for Mayfield. They want him at 64% accuracy, said Van Pelt. He was at 59 in 2019. Um, he said he will be the voice in the QB room. He played 11 years in the league. Um, uh, and then that footwork thing again, that's his personal belief, uh, said he felt Nick Chubb is a great fit for the wide zone run scheme they're going to be deploying. Um, and uh, there is a playbook. So, uh, yes, uh, they have uh, started to put together the playbook. Uh, the starting point, he mentioned was uh, Kubiak's, uh, you know, style offense with the wide, wide zone and the play action. Um, and the uh, asked if the offensive line was an area in need. He said, yes, it is. Uh, feels the offense can be explosive. Said he has spoken with both Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. Uh, mentioned uh, the need for a bigger uh, end of the line blocking tight end. So thought that was a, of interest there. So, um, and then we moved on to Joe Woods. Uh, not quite as exciting, or you know, uh, as uh, Van Pelt's was had some good stuff in Van Pelt's stuff. But you know, Joe Woods as well, uh, well spoken. Um, feels like he has a lot of talent rushers and cover guys uh, when asked to elaborate as we have a bunch of rushers and cover guys um, he uh, likes to uh, get his defense to look the same uh, while falling into different coverages to confuse quarterbacks they're going to roll with the 4-3 uh, because of a personnel is the Browns personnel is a natural fit uh, he has run the 4-3 and the 3-4, 4-3 most recently, though. Uh, was a Steelers fan as a kid. Yikes. Uh, been to a Super Bowl uh, with two different teams. Uh, Joe Woods has. Uh, the defense is a he wants to be a mixture of all of the different places he's been. Um, he mentioned that they will run uh, some cover three. Uh, I don't know if that'll be the... 
uh, Seattle cover three uh, press bail that uh, San Francisco ran. Um, I hope not, but um, they will run some of that, and they will run some man-to-man and some other things, obviously. Um, and then uh, line, linebackers, uh, no hint at uh, how he felt on Schobert. Uh, his biggest influences, Brian Kelly, Urban Meyer, Dan Quinn, and most of all, Mike Tomlin, uh, a guy that um, has been the most uh, influential for him was Mike Tomlin. Uh, interesting uh, there, I thought. Um, and then uh, real quickly, because there was not much to say about what Mike Prefer said, uh, he really just emphasized the... Uh, you know, um, that he thinks Stefanski has the it factor. Uh, they should, they need to be more consistent on special teams. Um, and he will help with transition, uh, with the new staff. Um, and, uh, you know, he's not great to listen to. A lot of cliches, blah, 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 blah. Uh, prefer your, uh, special teams coach. Good special teams coach. Not, you know, just because he was boring today doesn't mean he, he's not good special teams coach but there you have it that was your breakdown from the browns press room today you're listening to all eyes on cleveland podcast uh i'm brett ward uh and uh we're hashing it out here today real quickly on the miles garrett thing i'm not going to take a long time on it everybody's beating it to death uh tomlin came out strong to rudolph's defense uh but i felt like he there were some things he said that you know, oh, I have friends in the Browns organization, and they didn't mention anything. What are you talking about? Nobody's going to come across the from the Browns over you and say, hey, 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 listen to what they're saying over there. I mean, that expectation is ridiculous. And then he kind of sounded really defensive about like, oh, Pittsburgh, we're not covering it up. There's no cover-up. And he alluded to the fact that, they're, that uh, the – the hint at that Garrett made and others have made that where's the audio for on this, right? Um, it was ridiculous. Now, nobody thinks Pittsburgh is covering this up. It would be the NFL that I believe would be named, you know, blamed for covering this up. You know, in the last couple of days, some things I've heard about this, uh, Thursday night games, there's four mics on the field, right? Uh, guys mic'd up. So you get one lineman on each side of the ball mic'd up and one player uh, not on the offensive line, not on the defensive line. So one offensive player, one defensive player mic'd up. That's four players mic'd up. So it, it would have probably had to have been DeCastro or Pouncey to maybe get a real good audio. Uh, but they, they've got the audio boom sticks everywhere and, and uh, technology uh, all over the place. So I, I don't know um, that it's that's far-fetched as some people are saying that there isn't audio i i would have thought initially that there would be audio um I, but i don't think they actually would bring it to light at this point anyways and so that brings me back to miles and people calling him a liar i'll just go straight out i i don't think he's lying i believe him um and uh and and, and here's why so he t- he's told his team his coach his gm immediately after the game that this happened that the racial slur from mason rudolph delivered to him um he 
he didn't decide to hold back. He was given the advice to, before he went down to the press room or to see the press after that game, um, to not say anything about it and go through the proper channels, which was the hearing, right? Which is when officially he first said anything about it. Now, there were some leaks uh, probably from his camp, maybe, maybe not, you know, I would have wanted it leaked out of my camp if I was him, um, knowing that if somebody said something like that, uh, you know, I would want it leaked, I would want somebody to know. I think he got bad advice there. So you don't say anything after the game, story leaks, and then you bring it up at the hearing, and then on top of that, he, he goes to see Goodell on Monday, two days before he's reinstated, he tells him the same story he's told the whole time, and they turn around and reinstate him two days later. So what does that say about what Goodell feels about the situation? I I don't know. You can interpret that however you'd like, but... There it is. Um, bad advice, I think, to hold back on that. I think that was something that he should have brought to light immediately. Um, just the holding it back makes him look dishonest, and I don't think he was uh, being dishonest. I do believe him um, on the Mason Rudolph thing. Browns released four players this week. Uh, TJ Carey, Demetrius Harris, Darius Taylor, and offensive lineman Eric Cush. Three of those guys, uh, Dorsey regime guys, TJ Carey, uh, let go basically because of his contract. Free up, uh, per overthecap.com, over $13 million in cap space for the Browns. Uh, NFL looking strong now. Uh, rumors coming out at a 17-game schedule, uh, by the way. Uh, so there you have it with that. A lot of people also saying uh, that, uh, hearing this this week, that Baker needs uh, coached harder, more discipline. I would uh, agree to a certain extent, not so much harder, just better. Um, and li- like what we talked about with Van Pelt in the footwork already. That's something right there that you can point to that should have been handled already. Uh, here, um, you know, with the competition idea, I think that's insane. Uh, I strongly disagree. He doesn't need somebody to come in and provide him competition. He's the quarterback still. Uh, this offense, I think, is going to help him uh, extremely, as I mentioned with. Uh, Peter Lynn getting him out, uh, moving him outside the pocket, uh, changing, you know, changing his where he's throwing from, um, and uh, um, the play action game should benefit him hugely. Uh, plus, you know, with a guy like Van Pelt there all all the time talking to him, that's good stuff. I do like Stefanski's scheme, um, and uh, or the Kubiak scheme if you want to call it that, uh, or Shanahan. They're all running uh, a sort of version of it. Uh, the wide zone run, lots of play action, uh, and I'm sure there will be parts of this offense that are a little different as well. Uh, I mentioned already, I think Stefanski should call the plays. Big thing we're going to hit on the Browns tonight. We're going to bring it to the table right now, and I mentioned it with Jonathan Peterlin on the interview. Um, He kind of disagreed a little bit about the numbers where I was coming from, and he may be right, but it'll be interesting. So it comes Joe Schobert is going to be uh, a big decision for this 
uh, front office, Andrew Barry and everybody, uh, you know, as far as what you do with Joe Schober, and we're going to get into that right now. You're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. Uh, the podcast, pardon me, you can go to alleyesoncleveland.com um, and uh, check out all the news there or where any popular podcasts are found. Plus, we'll be published at USA Today Sports Media Group's The Browns Wire. Dot com tomorrow morning. Uh, let's go through some of the things that I was looking at with Schober, right? So, 19 linebackers are currently making over $10 million per year. Seven linebackers are currently making over $15 million per year. Um, at the top of so I separated these right so as Jonathan rightly stated I don't he doesn't have Joe Schobert as a top 10 in the league linebacker I agree I don't have him as a top 10 in the league linebacker either however in the breakdown if you take outside linebackers and inside linebackers and separate them you see a distinct difference in the numbers so you got your high high paid guys because your outside linebackers are lots of times in a three four a glorified defensive end right so you're going to get um khalil mack at 23.5 million a year massive money von miller 19.1 that stuff is out of this world money if you take a look at the inside linebackers so we're comparing inside linebackers to joe schobert Bobby Wagner and C.J. Mosley are the two highest guys. Uh, Bobby Wagner at 18 million mil a year and C.J. Mosley at 17 million a year. Now, the next inside linebacker or the next three are Deion Jones, Miles Jack, and Quan Alexander, and they're all at uh, Deion Jones is 14.25 per. Same same with Miles Jack and 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 then Quan Alexander at 13.5. That all gets them to that 57 range, somewhere between 56 and $57 million over four years. Now, by the numbers, Schobert grades out better than all those guys in 2019. Tackles, uh, solo tackles, assists, interceptions, forced fumbles, PFF grade, which I don't put a ton of... Uh, you know, stock into, but if you want to bring that argument to the table, his PFF grade is better uh, than uh, Jack and Jones. Um, so, and then to to bring that on on top of that, the next two guys under that are Jalen Smith of Dallas at eleven point four million and Alec Ogletree at ten point six eight, and that is the guy that. Uh, Jonathan brought up and compared him to here's why I have so I gave gave you that no numeral wise numbers wise statistically he is in the ballpark if not better than the three guys that are getting 57 million over four years right and then on top of that this class only has really one better linebacker, and that's Corey Littleton of the Rams, in, in my opinion. And then, so if you're going to be a team going out on the market in need of an inside linebacker, which many are, uh, 
you're going to have to pay Corey Littleton, and you may have to pay Joe Schobert. And that's where I come in with my opinion saying that he is going to end up in that 57 to $60 million over four-year range. Um, and that's too rich, I think, for the Browns. I, I wouldn't pay that. Now, without him, that room gets thin real quick because you got Kirksey making 9.5 this upcoming year. I don't know if you want to keep him around anymore. Uh, that figure, it would be good to get off the books. Um, and he has not been healthy at all. Uh, I know he's a leader, but I just didn't, don't see him coming back. Um but uh, maybe you do have to keep him if you lose Schobert because uh, you have to let him walk in free agency. I would be surprised if the Browns were ready to dish out 57. Maybe he gives a hometown discount. I don't know. I doubt it. He should be ready to be paid. Um, and uh, Jonathan thought he might get probably more around 40 to 45, which puts you down towards the Ogletree jalen smith range um and that i get that and that would be ideal for the browns i hope so but the circumstances in my opinion opinion pardon me uh lean towards him getting more than that maybe the 14 uh 15 million dollar per year 15 million dollars per year is 60 million dollars over four years I think it's very possible uh, that he gets that big pay from somebody uh, not named the Browns. So that's my breakdown and our deep dive uh, tonight on the uh, market for Joe Schobert. Something certainly to keep your eyes upon. Uh, Quickly through the Cavs here as we hit a lot of this. Uh, with, uh, oh, oh, you know what? I skipped something. I want to go back. God damn it, Mikey. You're always screwing things up in here. Okay, so, uh, other thing real quickly. Greg Robinson this week, 157 pounds of marijuana found in a vehicle rented by Greg Robinson, former number two overall pick, will face 20 years in prison. Um, him and Jaquan Bray, uh, also a teammate of his at Auburn, will each face up to 20 years in prison. Um, the Browns did not plan to re-sign the former number two overall pick. Uh, they communicated to his representation prior to the arrest, a league source tells uh, 92.3 The Fan. His uh, NFL career may now be over because um, he was at the Sierra Blanca checkpoint station near the Mexico border, uh, U.S.-Mexico border, after a canine unit uh, alerted authorities during an immigration inspection, prompting them to perform a secondary inspection, which revealed the presence of approximately 157 pounds of marijuana inside uh several large duffel bags in the rear cargo area of a 2020 black chevy tahoe according to the criminal complaint uh affidavit uh 
Robinson rented the vehicle in L.A. on Sunday uh, and had arranged for a third individual in the vehicle, an Uber driver he had met in 2018 to drive him and Bray to Louisiana. Uh, When the trio reached El Paso, Robinson instructed Bray to begin driving. When they approached secondary inspection at the Sierra Blanca Tech Point, Robinson asked the third individual to claim the marijuana um, that uh, Robinson said he would pay him to claim that the marijuana was his. (laughs) Are you kidding me? An Uber driver he met in 2018, he asked him to pay him, told him he would pay him to take the heat. Oh, man. That's uh, brutal right there. Uh, he or she would not, uh, responded that he or she would not have driven him if she had known the drugs were in the car. During the search, authorities found a 20, uh, 23, uh, glass mason jars, a large, heavy, automatic, 420, single-ended electric can sealer. <laughs> An electronic scale and $3,100 and a pair of jeans belonging to Bray. Robinson claimed uh, ownership of the can sealing machine, according to the affidavit. Uh, Robinson took over at Left Tackle. We know that story. Uh, he has made nearly $29 million throughout his NFL career, including 6.4 last year with the Browns. Uh, he'll be an unrestricted free agent and will not be returning to your Browns. So. Uh, Browns, I guess, told him before all this happened they were done with him. Uh, that sounds, uh, uh, if they weren't done with them, they were done with them now. So, uh, as a Browns fan, you're kind of happy that this happened. Feel bad for the guy. Bad mistake. Uh, crazy, idiotic decision making. Uh, but, uh, you're, you feel bad still, um, and um, his NFL career likely over. I mean, he, he's, he's really struggled everywhere he's went. Mikey's nodding his head. Yeah, he, he, is, he has struggled everywhere he has went uh, except the Browns, and, and if they were ready to move on, uh, I know I was ready to move on, not happy with his performance in 2019 at all uh so that's that you're listening to all eyes on cleveland podcast you can listen to the show where all popular podcasts are found my name is brad ward uh, i am your host tonight's guest was jonathan peterlin of 92.3 the fan uh if you're uh missed that just go back to the uh, uh earlier in the uh uh download here or the track here and you can listen to that interview uh good stuff from him um let's see uh we talked uh calves earlier um indians are uh you know in camp now uh jonathan said uh did not have them winning 90 games I will disagree with him on that. I have them winning uh, over 90 games. Some may call me crazy, uh, but I uh, think they have the pitching. 
Um, and they've got about nine outfielders vying for three spots. The outfield, I think, could shake out. They may get a performance from somebody uh, that you might not expect. But uh, that's what I have uh, for the Indians there on um, my prediction. I I have them winning uh, 92 games and getting in the wild card game. That's my prediction. Uh, And with that, we're going to wind things down here on All Eyes on Cleveland, the podcast. Thank you, everybody, that has uh, gone and subscribed. Uh, But if you haven't done it yet, go to iTunes and subscribe. You can uh, go to alleyesoncleveland.com as well. And, of course, listen to the show uh, at thebrownswire.com of USA Today Sports Media Group. Uh, We'll get uh, the version out tonight. Um, to uh, iTunes and SoundCloud and all those places, uh, wherever you listen to your your podcast, it'll be there tonight. And then tomorrow morning, it'll be published uh, at BrownsWire.com, and uh, it'll also be up on All Eyes on Cleveland.com. If you haven't been there, go check that out. That's the website. Uh, we'll be doing some cool stuff there in the future here. So uh, that brings us to the All Eyes on Cleveland mailbag it's mailbag time mikey uh mikey's got the mailbag questions here for me thank you sir thank you everybody that uh, kicked in on the mailbag tonight uh and with that we'll uh we'll get ready to uh, bring that up here uh it, it's gonna be mailbag time after uh this uh quick mailbag intro clip uh, if Mikey could find it properly. What are you doing? Okay. All right. All right. Here it is. We'll be doing the mailbag right after this. Let's talk about your likes and dislikes. Um, how about your favorite food? What would that be? Oh, milk steak. Hmm. What? Milk steak. I'm not putting milk Just steak. Put steak. Just I'm going to put steak. steak and then Don't that put steak. Put milk steak. She'll know what it is. No, she won't know what it is, She'll Charlie. Know Nobody what knows is. what that is. No. Okay. All right. What's your favorite hobby? Uh, magnets. Magnets. Okay, what, like making magnets, collecting magnets, playing with magnets? Just magnets. I'm gonna put snowboarding. We'll put snowboarding. I don't really snowboard. All right, what are some of your likes? Uh, ghouls. Son of a bitch. What are you talking about now? funny little green ghouls. What? Like in movies and cartoons? What? Little green ghouls, buddy. Don't write ghouls. I'm not. I'm putting travel. Jesus Christ. What are your dislikes? People's knees. Oh, come on, Bro, dude. Come on. You know what? We'll just make it all up. We'll make the whole we'll, thing up. We'll dock it the picture. Here. We'll make it up. Yeah, we're we'll not going to use it. Cover your knees up if you're going to be walking. And with that, we are to the All Eyes on Cleveland mailbag. We've got uh, one, two, three... Uh, mailbag questions tonight uh, that Mikey has so uh, well uh, assembled here for me. Let's start with Walt. Thank you, Walt. Uh, I appreciate you always uh, kicking in and listening to the show and uh, your uh, mailbag question tonight. What will the Browns do at safety? Uh, Vikings and Niners have some free agents. Uh, Should they go after them? Question mark. What will they do at tight end next year? Some good questions from Walt. You go Walt at Walt. Pardon me. It's Walt. His handle is at Walt underscore 1991. Yeah. All right. Trying to read Mikey's handwriting. Thank you. Uh, At Walt underscore 1991. Walt, 
Good man. Good question. Go Browns. Uh, so what will the Browns do? Safety. And they mentioned the Vikings and the Niners, free agents. Uh, and then uh, will they go after them? And then what to do at tight end? So uh, I believe, and make sure I have this right here, but I believe San Francisco has one free agent safety. That's Jimmy Ward. Jimmy Ward was a first-round pick. Uh, 30th overall, he's 28 years old. Jimmy Ward is a good player. Um, and then if you look at the Vikings, they have two strong safeties. So Jimmy Ward's a free safety, uh, mostly. And, and a strong safeties, uh, in, um, the Vikings, one of which I really, really would like them to take a run at, and that's Anthony Harris. Uh, he's was undrafted. Uh, the he's strong safety. He would be perfect for the Browns defense. Would love if they could go after him. He's twenty eight years old as well. His market is going to be so. If you recall last year, uh, Walt and anybody else, you know, any, everybody listened to the show. If you recall last year, the safety market shot up. Uh, it it skyrocketed. It, you know, you were able to get safeties at a relatively decent price, and then a bunch of guys got paid high, and that's going to affect the market this year as well. Uh, his market will be around fourteen million dollars. I would probably project um, uh, for Anthony Harris per year. So um, now that is worth it if you have it. I think because he's a stud. He is a baller. Uh, Anthony Harris is a beast so that is well spent money in my opinion they also have Andrew Sendejo uh, who um, uh, will be a free agent as well Uh, so you got to keep an eye though on Jimmy Ward and Harris Uh, good call good two good safeties more so the strong safety I like in this scenario in Harris uh, not that Jimmy Ward's a bad player, but I would rather pay the the fourteen to Harris than I would to Ward. Um, and uh, if if I had to spend that kind of money, that the top top tier guys in that safety market are going to command. So that that'll be interesting in free agency as well. Uh, and as far as tight end goes next year. Uh, they certainly need to address tight end. I think you can address it probably both places. I wouldn't be surprised if they got a guy in free agency. I think it'll be um, <clears throat> if you want to find your blocking, or as uh, Alex Van Pelt said today in his presser, uh, your end of line, big body blocking tight end, which they certainly need because you got Njoku. Uh, who is needs to work on the blocking angle of his game, uh, and then um, uh, what's his name? Oh, I, it's escaping me now. The car, guy from the Cardinals. Anyways, uh, he's just a straight pass catcher as well. Um, and then so, it, I wish they still had uh, Daniel Fells because he was perfect. Um, could do both. But um, they let him go, and he put up a, a career season for the Texans. Uh, but I think you get your blocking tight end in free agency. Um, you're going to find a guy that's uh, more suited 
for that than you are kind of maybe coming out of college i probably i would think and, and not have to spend it not going to be real expensive there uh and then you probably want to add to that room in the draft as well whether it be pass catcher or a mixed guy that guy that can do both would be ideal or another blocker there but they're going to need them uh certainly you're probably looking at maybe having two on the roster uh you know and then maybe adding two or three more you mean at camp you're gonna have a ton but i'm saying legit guys that could play there that's what makes sense to me so hopefully i answered your question there walt uh next question we have here tonight uh we'll go to uh neo against the world the handle is at max sports report here on the all eyes on cleveland mailbag how aggressive do you really expect barry to be in free agency i i mean so another free agency question hot topic right uh you have to think that they're going to be relatively aggressive uh, in free agency to some capacity just out of need. So as I said before, I think tight end, I think safety are positions that you can look at in free agency. Uh, I don't necessarily uh, think you want um, a rookie starting at strong safety, right, or free safety. Maybe free safety, but you you have to kind of shake see how things shake out there. But those aren't positions I want rookies starting at on this defense. So I think you dress them in free agency. Tight end shouldn't break the bank, as I've said. The O line needs a ton of help. The O line uh, is going to be more of your draft, uh, and then probably add some depth there. Free agency, you're going to be looking to add depth wherever you can. Um, especially, you know, you're going to need another corner. You're going to need another, you're probably going to need another wide receiver. So the, you got to kind of nickel and dime that in free agency. See if you can get some experienced guys on this younger team that with some leadership in free agency. As I have mentioned multiple times, an influx of leadership is huge for this team and that has to come through the free agency and then uh in the draft uh you can supplement all of all of those positions as well but the main priority positions as we said safety i don't want rookies starting there so i think you address that in free agency that's going to be your your probably your biggest spend tight end shouldn't break the bank o-line you need a ton of help both places but you're going to get your more premier o-line guys probably in my opinion from that 10 spot in the draft if they stay there if they go down uh wherever you're at there i would like to see them address that uh with your first round pick uh and then maybe another early round pick there um as you do need a guard and two tackles really i i don't know what they're going to do with hubbard i'm not a huge hubbard fan i would like to see him replaced so uh, that's where we are with that uh and then the land sports with the final question of the night here all on all eyes on cleveland hope you've enjoyed it but uh at rbs underscore corrections uh with the uh a frequent flyer here in our mail uh bags over the years uh and and a listener of the show thank you for uh, kicking in uh with your question says cabs are a mess what would you do to get this team on track what steps need to be made so that this rebuild starts to make sense 
I asked a very similar question to Jonathan Peterlin. He kind of said that it's impossible to answer at this point. Um, step first thing I would say, uh, JB Bickerstaff. I I know there he's not in it. He's not does not have the interim tag. Uh, so they've hired him as a full. You know he's the head coach, full time head coach. Um, but let's just take a look. He's 85 and 131 lifetime as a head coach. Uh, he was 15 and 48 as the interim head coach in Memphis, and then 33 and 49 as the interim coach in Memphis, uh, or as the full-time head coach in Memphis, pardon me, last year. Uh, he was 37 and 34 and took the Rockets to the playoffs as an interim coach back in 15-16. Not, you know, talented team there, Harden, all that good stuff, but... Um, JB, uh, I would have him earn it. I don't, I know this is the part of their succession plan or whatever, but the plan is gone out the window, man. The dude didn't make it past 54 games. Come on. Fuck. Let's, let's not rush to, this isn't a high, in my opinion, a high profile, great hire either. JB Bickerstaff to me is just a guy. Uh, so we'll see how he does. I'm not going to write him off or anything, but I would not have given him the full time. I would have had named him interim head coach. That's step one. Give him this year, make him earn the job. Okay. Make him earn the job. Make him show some, some, uh, improvement. Reevaluate at the end of the season and then have a full coaching search, including him. If he deserves the job at that point, Things may look a lot different. You, you know, I, I don't know. I just am not ready to bank on J.B. Bickerstaff as the coach of the Cavs' future, and I feel like he's just kind of getting handed that at this point. I would make make him earn it, right? Because uh, there's other guys out. There's young guys out there that deserve a shot. Uh, so I would have the full coaching search at the end of the year. You're reevaluating Drummond, question mark, if he picks up his option, you look to trade him. Uh, Kevin Love, you need to try to trade him. And you need to try to trade either Sexton or Garland. Um, I don't think they can exist together. I would tear it down to the studs. Like, going for the eight seed with Drummond and Love and both these guards makes no sense. You're going in the wrong direction. So I would uh, try to move on from Drummond. It'll be difficult. You may be stuck with him for another year, uh, but love, you should be able to trade him at some point. At some point, Kobe Altman's value that he's hoping to get back in that trade is going to have to be readjusted, and I think at the end of the season is when we'll see that. Um, but yeah, he, you're going to have to concede some value there and move him on before your team can move on. Uh, otherwise, you're stuck in this spot where they're at right now, it's no good. They're just treading water and no, go, not going in either direction, up or down. And in either way, in the NBA, if you're going up or down, as long as you're moving, you're good. Because if you're going down, you're, you know, we need to acquire uh, studs in the draft because you're not going to get them in free agency. So th- you need to go down, gain assets with the trades, draft picks, uh, you know, acquire the young studs, bring in the new head coach, 
uh, your pieces that stay probably, uh, you know, well, it's going to be Porter Jr., like him, either either Sexton or Garland, take your pick. Uh, maybe Drellmond if you have to. Uh, Dylan Windler is a good player, hasn't seen the floor yet. Uh, Chetty is a guy. I don't know what they're going to do with him. The rest of them are just guys. Tristan's going to be gone. His number's off the books at the end of the year. Uh, evaluate the roster from there, but move forward with just the young pieces and maybe Drummond. Um, and you're looking at another losing season, but you know, you've picked a head coach whether it's Bickerstaff or another young head coach, and, and now you've cleaned out all the the lingering nonsense and you're moving forward with some direction. There's no direction right now. So that's how I would uh, attack uh, this in some manner or form. Something to that, uh, similar to that. Uh, there you go. Uh, the Land Sports. Thank you for your question on the mailbag. So thank you so much for listening to the show tonight. Uh, it was a good one. Uh, thanks again to Jonathan Peterland for uh, coming on the show. Uh, he was amazing. Uh, so uh, we, before we uh, check off, we have some guests lined up already in the coming weeks. I think you're going to be happy. So next week, jeez, uh, I would get this right. Uh, next week, I believe we have Sir Yacht. Uh, my boy, he is hilarious. Uh, he makes all sorts of uh, digital videos. He's a singer. He's uh, the guy that jumped in the lake and uh, got on the news uh, when the Browns uh, lost uh, to the Steelers at home. He is a, a funny, funny guy, a big sports fan. We're going to have him on and talk to him. Uh, he'll crack you up. And uh, I've uh, uh, been a. Uh, uh, online or Twitter friend of his for some time, and uh, he was uh, gracious enough to come on the show next week. Then we will go uh, to Nick Shook. Now, this is going to time out perfectly because he'll be coming back from the Combine. So he'll be back from the Combine in Indianapolis. Uh, he'll be back for one or... Uh, is it one or two days? Yeah, one or two days... Uh, he'll be back from the uh, NFL Combine, and he'll be able to uh, report to us on all the goings-on at the Combine in Indianapolis uh, and break down everything Browns at that point. So Nick Shook, uh, you know, NFL.com, Browns.com, uh, he is awesome. Uh, you can hear him all the time on uh the uh, um, Browns, Cleveland Browns Daily with uh, Bo Bishop, Nathan Segura, uh, and he also is on the uh, best uh, podcast available also on there. So uh, Nick Shook, one of my favorites, and uh, um, come on my shows a couple times, uh, did an interview for me. So he's a good, good dude, and uh, we'll be able to pick his brain right after the Combine. Plus Sir Yacht. Jonathan Peterlin tonight. Last night was Garrett Bush. We're off to a hot start. It's All Eyes on Cleveland podcast. Go to alleyesoncleveland.com. Catch this podcast where all popular podcasts are found. Big thanks again to Jonathan Peterlin of 92.3. And with that, I'm out.
had your body dumped in Marcy. I stay strapped like car seats. Been banging since my little nigga Rob got killed for his Barclays. That's 10 years. I told Pooh in 95. I'll kill you if you try me for my Air Max 95s. Told Banks when I met him, I'm a ride. And if I gotta die, I'd rather homicide. I ain't had 50 cent when my grandmama died. Now I'm going back to Cali with my Jacob on. See how time flies. the underdogs on top. And I'm gonna shine, homie, until my heart stop. Go ahead and beat me. I'm Raps MVP, and I ain't going nowhere, so you can get to know me. Need the love with the underdogs on top, and I'm gonna shine, homie, until my heart stop. Go ahead and beat me. I'm Raps MVP, and I ain't going nowhere, so you can get to know me. From the beginning to the end, losers lose, winners win. This is real, we ain't got to pretend. The cold world that we in, it's full of pressure and pain. Enough of me, nigga, now listen to gang. Used to see 5 0 throw the crack by the bench, now I'm fucking with 5 0, it's all starting to make sense. My mom's happy she ain't gotta pay the rent And she got a red bow on that brand new bench Waiting on shot money to land sitting in the range Thinking how they spent 30 million dollars on airplanes When his kid's starving Pockets going and Brenda still throwing babies in the garbage I wanna know what's going on like I hear Marvin No school books, they use that wood to build coffins Whenever I'm in the booth and I get exhausted I think what if Marie Baker got that abortion I love, love you, my And I'm gonna shine, homie, until my heart stop Go ahead and beat me I'm Raps MVP, and I ain't going nowhere, so you can get to know me. Need the love with the underdogs on top, and I'm gonna shine, homie, until my heart stop. Go ahead and beat me. I'm Raps MVP, and I ain't going nowhere, so you can get to know me. 